Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. I would like to share with you on this, these two words this morning, neighbors and nations. Neighbors and nations. Um, Hands up if you sense that over the last two years, we have been living through some genuinely historical, pivotal times. Yeah? We all sense that the world has changed, and that's local, and it's global, and the shock waves, and the aftershock waves of the pandemic, and now the war, and the impact on the economy, and the issues around race and gender that have been um, so much to the fore over the last couple of years, all of those things have shifted and changed things really forever in many ways. And, and new, new fears and new uncertainties have emerged. And new orders and new ways are being played out. And um, you often look back on things and realize it was a bit historic. But, but in the midst of it, we, we sense that. These are pivotal moments, genuinely. And, and they have history-making consequences, both across the world in the nations, and across the street, amongst our neighbors. These are days of great significance for nations and for our neighbors. And we know, we know that in it all, God will fulfill his plan and his purpose. Just turn with me briefly to Ephesians 3, chapter 10. Because here... um, The Apostle Paul talks about God's multifaceted wisdom that is being made, that may be, is now being made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. He says, This is according to the purpose of the ages or the eternal purpose of God. God has an eternal purpose. And at the heart of his eternal purpose, he loves the world. The world is his and everything in it, Psalm 24 says. And and God loves the world and has a purpose to fulfill in it. He loves everybody everywhere. And I just want to encourage us this morning that right now that means for us seizing every opportunity to express and demonstrate and declare the love of God to our neighbors and to the nations. We, um, we describe our mission as being from the heart of the nation to the ends of the earth. And that has to really mean something in these days. Yes. Jesus said that the, um, the greatest commandments were what? To love the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And also to love our neighbor as ourselves. Love our neighbors as ourselves. Paul says that loving our neighbors as ourselves fulfills the whole law. James James calls that, loving our neighbors as ourselves, he calls it the royal law. Lovely description. The royal royal commandment is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that, that, that same commandment, to love our neighbors as ourselves, is followed with that command to go and make disciples of all the nations. Yeah. And these are are really days, and if I can just unpack some of this in the next uh, little while, undefined, 
Uh, these are days for us to really rise up in, in practical demonstration of the love of God for our neighbors and for the nations. In the midst of all that's unraveling, all that's being exposed, all that's being seen as, seen as being behind what's happening, in the present chaos and confusion for so many people, as we live through this moment of historical significance, we have some really great news Amen. of an unshakable kingdom Amen. and an unchanging person. And I think the New Testament um, has a story in it, the book of Acts has a story in it that speaks really profoundly into this moment that we're in. And I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 10. It's, um, it's a pivotal story. If you've seen the little um, midweek message that went out on video this week, you'll have got a bit of context already for this. This is a really pivotal, significant moment in the book of Acts. Luke says, um, Luke records the moment that Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Acts 1 verse 8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this passage marks the shift from uh, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. It's a pivotal moment. It's a history-making moment. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moment uh, in which things are, are going to change forever. That's right. It speaks to our present moment. And um, some people call this the Gentile Pentecost. I don't know whether that's a good description or not. It's definitely the start of a new order, the start of a new era. It's a true story of God's love for neighbors and nations. And so we're going to read it together. Um, it's, a long, it's, it's a whole chapter. So amongst all the other great things that are going to be happening today, we're going to read a chapter of the Bible together, okay? So here we are. It's from the Holman translation. Um, you don't need me to read it for you, but I'm going to do that because otherwise I'll be silent for the next five minutes. Which is... There was a man in Caesar. Just enjoy the story. Enjoy the drama, the excitement, the thrill of this story, the, the, the magnificent way in which God... If you've, never, if you've never heard this story before, just watch what God does to prepare this man here and this man here and bring them together and shift his purposes from one big era into another massive era. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. That means he was a, a Roman officer, essentially in charge of 100 soldiers, a centurion. He was a devout man and feared God along with his whole household, and he did many charitable deeds for the Jewish people and always prayed to God. At about three in the afternoon, he distinctly saw a vision, in a vision an angel who came in and said to him, Cornelius. Looking intently at him, he became afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he told him, Your prayers and your acts of charity have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and call for Simon, who's also called Peter, he is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. 
when the angel who spoke to him had gone, he called two of his household slaves and a devout soldier, who was one of those who attended him, and after explaining everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were traveling and nearing the city, Peter went up to pray on the housetop at about noon. And then he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing something, he went into a visionary state. He saw a heaven opened and an object coming down that resembled a large sheet being lowered to the earth by its four corners. In it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. And then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter, uh, Peter said, for I have never eaten anything common and unclean. And again, a second time, a voice said to him, What God has made clean, you must not call common. This happened three times, and then the object was taken up into heaven. While Peter was deeply perplexed about what the vision had, uh, he had seen might mean, the men who'd been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, stood at the gate. And they called out, asking if Simon, who was also named Peter, was lodging there. While Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, three men are here looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and accompany them with no doubts at all, because I've sent them. Then Peter went down to the men and said, here I, here I am, the one you're looking for. What is the reason you're here? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, and up, an upright and a God-fearing man, who has a good reputation with the whole Jewish nation, he was a Gentile, but he had a good reputation, was divinely directed by a holy angel to call you to his house and to hear a message from you. Peter then invited them in and gave them lodging. The next day he got up and set out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went with him, and the following day he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends, his neighbours, and, and went, it doesn't say neighbours, but I'm just inserting that word there. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter helped him up and said, Stand up, I myself am also a man. While talking with him, he went on in and found that many had come together there. Peter said to them, you know it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a foreigner. But God has shown me that I must not call any person common or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for. So I ask, why did you send for me? Cornelius replied, four days ago, at this hour, at three in the afternoon, I was praying in my house. And just then, a man in a dazzling robe stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your acts of charity have been remembered in God's sight. Therefore, send someone to Joppa and invite Simon here, who is also named Peter. He is lodging in Simon the Tanner's house by the sea. Therefore, I immediately sent for you, and you did the right thing in coming. So we are all present before God to hear everything you have been commanded by the... I mean, no pressure, Peter. <laughs> everything you've been commanded by the Lord. We've had that in Kenya a few times. You, you get taken into a house and they're just waiting for you to say something. <laughs> and then Peter began to speak in truth 
I understand that God doesn't show favoritism. But in every nation, the person who fears him and does righteousness is acceptable to him. He sent the message to the sons of Israel, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know the events that took place throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and curing all who were under the tyranny of the devil because God was with him. We ourselves are witnesses of everything he did in the Judean country and in Jerusalem, yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. God raised up this man on the third day and permitted him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us, witnesses appointed beforehand by God, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to solemnly testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speaking in other languages and declaring the greatness of God. And then Peter responded, can anyone withhold water and prevent these from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to stay for a few days. What a great story. What a great God. What a wonderful God we have. And let me... Um, let me share a few things that I think this story says to us at this time, at this moment. First of all is this, that, God, that there are God-seekers everywhere. Yes, that's true. Cornelius is, is, a, is a Gentile, a Roman centurion. Um, he's a captain of a hundred men. He would therefore be a responsible man, a reliable man, a devout man. But his work and his career were not enough. The rituals, even the, the religion of being in the army didn't satisfy or fulfill him. This was a man who had turned to Judaism and prayed to God, but, but still he longed for more. Yeah. He's hungry, yeah. he's open, and I bet you know people just like that. Yeah. Multitudes of God-fearing, God-seeking people looking, longing for more. In... Um, John chapter 4, verse 35, great story of the woman at the well where it, it, it kind of concludes or, or, or somewhere in the, in the story, Jesus says, open your eyes, doesn't he? Open your eyes, look around you, look at the fields. They are white for harvest. It's not four months' time, it, it's here, it's here, it's, here, it's here and now. And if ever there was a day for us to have our eyes open, have our ears open to what's around us, who is around us, to what people, are, what people are longing for, what people are saying, what's across the street, 
What's across the world? Who's at the next table? Who's at the next till? Possibly might apply to you. Who's at the next treadmill? Probably, possibly not. <laughs> who's, who's next door? Who's at the next desk? And what are they saying, thinking, wondering about? We must, as Anna would put it, be alert to the harvest language. What's happening? What's going on? I'm confused. I'm, I'm heartbroken by what I'm seeing. Where's it all going? How's it going to end? We mustn't make wrong assumptions about people. There are God-seekers everywhere. We must look behind the religion, the devotion, hear the questions, see the need, and just be assured, firstly, that there are God-seekers everywhere. And then secondly, to say there are, there are divine appointments everywhere. I mean, this story is just so immense, isn't it, in terms of the... The way, uh, the way this, this plan of God is worked out in such amazing, beautiful, powerful, genius detail to prepare Cornelius and to prepare the heart of Peter and to help him put aside his prejudices and his, and his, and his background and his religion and, and, and come into a revelation of the heart of God to bring them together and and by the way, Luke, is, Luke the writer, is so emphatic that, uh, about this that the, the whole story is effectively repeated in chapter 11, as, as, as is recalled. This is, this is a really big moment in the New Testament. There are divine appointments everywhere. There are God-arranged situations that are designed to move his kingdom forward. And, and I, just, I want to say, they're just waiting for us to get into the story waiting for us to, to see and notice what God's doing and, and feel the tug on our heart or, or, or listen to the whisper in our heart and put ourselves into the story. And, and that's how, how I imagine, how, kind of a picture what's going on here. There's this, there's this story and Peter has to put himself into it and come into the narrative of what, of what God is wanting to say and do at this time. There are divine appointments everywhere. Just go back into Ephesians, would you? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. This is the kind of verse, uh, many of us would have learnt this verse. It's, it's a sort of a, a memory verse almost. But gosh, if ever there was a day to, to believe this verse, to live this verse. Verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you were saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is, God's, it, is a, uh, it is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. Here's verse 10, for we are God's creation, his masterpiece, his handiwork, his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. He's describing, um, in, other, in other versions, the word predestined is used. God has works prepared for us to walk in. A story for us to put ourselves in. 
and be in the heart of what God is doing. If we're sensitive, if we're responsive to his voice, to his leadings, we will find ourselves in situations with all the hallmarks of the handiwork of God. He is a creative genius. We are his masterpiece. And he's prepared and planned and predestined good works, good things for us to do and be involved in. I hope you really believe this, that your life is not determined by chance, by, by um, circumstance, but by order, by plan, by purpose, even by predestination. And there are divine appointments, situations God is preparing for us to be involved in. And, and, and sometimes, like we said in the midweek video, you have to go out of your comfort zone as Peter did here, in order to step in to what God has for you. Even this week, even this week, I bet you'll find, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I bet you'll find some situations and you think, this is something I have to step into. God has prepared a work here for me to be involved in. We were sitting in... uh, I should have said at the beginning, I just want to bring in a few little updates along the way in what I share this morning. We were sitting in a marquee in Kenya a couple of weeks ago. Deborah, that's Deborah, that's Richard, this is me. The three of us. I, don't, I, don't, I never get them confused, by the way. Um, we were sitting in a marquee in Kenya with um, 40-ish leaders. And I thought, how did we get here? I didn't mean the flight, although that, that's another story. How did this happen? How do we get to be here doing this? And then I remembered a, situa- a story, and Sharon is here. In about 2009, when um, Sharon was, was my PA, um, God bless her, I've still not quite recovered. And... Um, and Sharon used to receive all the incoming emails from overseas, um, inviting us to be partners with people in different places. And the, the general rule was, um, Sharon would, would read them and, and bin them, because there were too many requests to respond to, and we, we could only really be involved where we, knew, where we knew God was in it. And so her, part of her task was to, to screen the emails. And she walked in one day, she said, this one's interesting. It was from William, in which he, he simply asked for some help with teaching about the kingdom of God. Oh, you can imagine. <laughs> that alerted me. No requests for money, just to help him teach the kingdom of God. And I sat in the marquee in Kenya. I thought, that was a divine appointment. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. That was a divine appointment. And I'm so glad I stepped into the story. I was thinking about young Christopher Alton. And um, when Deborah and I, this is Deborah here, by the way. When Deborah and I, in our first house, newly married, this young, how old are we? 16-year-old, shock of blonde hair, shorn off across the top in the style of the day, walked in and just attached himself to us 
It was brilliant. A divine appointment. Here we are. Get emotional if I'm not careful. How many years later? You must be at least 36 by now. A few decades ago, God joined us. And I could go on and describe divine appointments where God does something to add people into our lives, introduce us to somebody. Maybe even the reason you're here this morning has something of, of a divine appointment about it. An invitation, a contact, a drive-by, a... Who knows? I just want to say, in this moment we're in, we must not miss the God-arranged divine appointments. That matters so much. Just to say, while we're on Kenya, we had a brilliant time, despite some uh, niggles and hassles, and um, we were able to meet with, uh, first of all, a group of, the, of, of um, eight couples, elders and wives, and um, to see the growth in them, to see the maturity, to answer the questions which just demonstrated the, the stature they're coming into, to then um, spend another couple of days with, uh, with the other um, uh, 16 or 18 people that joined us then, a wider group of leaders, amongst whom I hope there will be elders and deacons appointed um, over, the, over the coming months. That was the point of gathering those together. To hear that now the church is in 14 congregations and, and, and about 1,300 people across those groups, um, including over 500 children. <laughs> Alex is laughing. You won't be laughing for long. Just to say as well, let me take this moment, maybe say more in detail, there is an opportunity and a need now to expand our school sponsorship program. Uh, many, many more children. They, they don't all qualify for the scheme, but, but if you would like to sponsor a Kenyan child, it's, a proc it's just under £200 a year to send a child to school uh, and change a life, literally. Transform a life, transform a family. Um, if you'd like to be added to that scheme, we need more sponsors. So please have a word with um, Annie or myself, and we'll, we'll um, or Sharon. No, sorry, not Sharon. It's the past. It's the past. I'm getting carried away. There's things to be done this morning. So um, there are divine appointments everywhere. And third thing I want to say is your home is ideal. Has anybody ever been to the Ideal Home Exhibition, the Ideal Home Show? Yeah, a few, okay, a few hands just sort of, you know. I've not, it's, apparently, it's been running since 1908. 1908, every year, in Olympia in London, the Ideal Home Exhibition. And I, I've never been, but I guess the idea is to make you pretty dissatisfied with your home <laughs> and, and, and long for more, you know, long for more, aspire to other stuff for your home, more stuff for your house. And um, I just want to say, your home is already ideal. Yes. Your home is ideal. Notice this story centers around two homes. The home of Simon the Tanner, where Peter is staying. The home of Cornelius. There's a, there's a, a supernatural encounter in this home. Then there's a supernatural encounter in this home. God loves to work in and through people's homes. 
your home is ideal. Cornelius opened his home to strangers. Peter, first of all, after his vision, invites them in. That was a breakthrough moment. Jettisoning his his religion and his culture and and responding to what God has said. These people are not unclean. Invite them in. And he invites them in. And then he goes into Cornelius' home. Both of those were breakthrough moments. And I think Acts 10, Acts 10, the the Gentile Pentecost, and Acts 2, the Jewish Pentecost, just there to emphatically tell us God wants to visit us in our homes by His Spirit. God loves to pour out His Spirit in homes. Your home is ideal. Your home is perfectly positioned. Hospitality is is the name of the game right now. We have to invite people into our homes. We have to, maybe, maybe we'll entertain angels in the process, as the scriptures say. And, and so there were some questions I raised in the midweek video. Are we, are we too private? Do we, do, we, do we overvalue our personal time, our private time? Are our homes genuinely at his disposal? Say, Lord, this is, this is my house, this is our home, but it's at your disposal for you to use however you want. Do we need to invite people in? I don't know whether you have your house keys on you. Do you, is that, do, do you? I'm guessing you do, unless you've left them under the stone. <coughs> uh, I'm not telling you where we keep ours. It, it's even more rudimentary than that. Just get your, can you get your house keys out? Give them, give them a jingle. Give them a jingle jangle. Okay, just let's, let's just lift them up. The, these keys, I just felt the Lord say, these keys can be keys to breakthrough. Let's lift them up. Let's just, let's just commit our homes to, for the Lord to use for his good purpose. Lord, we, I, I want to pray that our homes will be fully at your disposal. I pray you'll, you will bring friends, neighbors, strangers into our homes. I want to pray, Lord, that you will, will come down in Holy Ghost power when we're with people in our homes. You'll, you'll cause us to be so alert to the harvest language, to to hear the noise, the voice, the questions, the anxieties, the fears, the hopes, the dreams of the harvest that's so ready and so ripe. And our home, we'll have the joy of using our homes for your glory and your praise, Lord. Amen. 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 We do agree. Number four thing, got a couple of little things to say, then a big one. We've just got to lift people up. We can, we must, we should lift people up. And I was just struck reading the story again that Peter, having, having entered, gone to Cornelius, and Cornelius bows down and inappropriately, but he doesn't realize that. And, and it says Peter lifted him up. I thought Peter, Peter's, Peter does that. Peter did that in Acts 3 when the lame man... Um, who asked for, asked for money and he said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we give you. And he lifted him up. 
and his feet and ankles became strong. And then, and then in chapter 9, when Tabitha, Dorcas, has been, has been resurrected, it says Peter lifted her up. And I thought, what a day for us to, to know that a key aspect of our mission and ministry is lifting people up. Lifting people up, dignifying people, helping people, maybe even opening our homes to refugees. Or lifting up the person at the next, next desk who's struggling. Or lifting up the lady at the next till in a, in a little moment in a store. Lifting people up. Dignifying, helping, raising people up. There's some brilliant, brilliant projects, initiatives in our church that are involved in supporting, lifting, and, and, I, and we salute what's happening and we cheer it on. And I just think this is not a day to be saying, who can I witness to? It's a day to be saying, who can I help up? Who can I help up? We must lift people up. And then to say God has no favorites. That is, that's kind of the, 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 one of the breakthrough verses in this little story. I realize that God, verse 34, Peter began to speak, in truth I understand, God doesn't show favoritism. That's the revelation he's, he's come to. God loves every nation. God loves every nation in the same way. On the same grounds. He made all. He loves all. He saves all. He uses all. He blesses all who come to him. And this story sweeps aside every prejudice. Tells us that God does not favor Jews over Gentiles. God does not prefer Europeans to Africans. We must crucify every prejudice. Our church is here for all people all nations, all races, all ethnicities, all cultures, every background, every story, every nation is welcome here. You and your friends are welcome here. Let me tell you of an exciting little update. In Atherstone, uh, Ovi and Laura, who are... Ovi's here, Laura's out, I think, with the kids... Ovi is here. Just stand up, would you, second Ovi? This is Ovi. Ovi, this is everybody. Ovi and Laura have been um, gathering monthly in Atherstone with a focus on reaching fellow Romanians. Um, a focus, but not, but not exclusively so. Uh, meanwhile, Paul and Katie France, I don't know whether they are here today. Paul and Katie have been um, faithfully meeting midweek uh, with those in Tamworth area, although mainly outside Tamworth, those who were part of our gatherings in Tamworth pre-pandemic. I believe now is an opportune time to bring those two things together and to launch a new congregation in Atherstone, which we're meeting um, on Sundays. Uh, We're not sure how frequently right now, but ultimately weekly on Sundays from the 5th of June At 5 p.m., it will be a multinational, bilingual gathering reaching out to Romanians and to British and to all nations. God has no favorites. It will be under the care of the elders here. 
under my apostolic covering, it is not a Romanian congregation, though we do want to reach Romanians and all nations, and I believe will be a really fresh, relevant expression of Living Rock Church in our region. So we're looking forward to that, Obi. God has lo- God. God has loads of favourites. <laughs> and um, be praying for, for Ovi and Laura and Paul and Katie and all who will be involved in that. If that piques your interest, think, ooh, I'd love to get stuck into that. Let us know. Yeah. It'll be brilliant. Yes. Right. Number six uh, out in a series of 51. Number six. <laughs> Our gospel is wonderfully, beautifully simple. I love the way Peter just summarizes it. Jesus went round doing good. There's a little bit more than that. Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were under the tyranny, under the oppression of the devil. Our gospel is simple and straightforward. And if I can say this, it's child-friendly. Our gospel is child-friendly. Jesus is Lord of all, verse 36. And he came for all men everywhere. And he went around doing good and healing. And he was killed, but God raised him from the dead. And now he's alive. And he's giving new life to everybody and establishing his kingdom, which is God's total answer to man's total need. Kingdom of God. How wonderful. The gospel is really simple. And, and, And let me take this moment to just say, we've got Jonathan Conrath with us. In this coming week in Market Harbour, Mission 24, be training now about 50 people have signed up for that, and street evangelism, evangelism, evangelism can't hardly say it, evangelism, in Market Harbour this week, and an encounter evening on Saturday night, to which uh, we'd love you to be involved and support, but here on Sunday morning, a week today, we have a... Um, I want to say a world-class evangelist. Maybe that doesn't sound quite right, but we have an evangelist with us. Most of you have never met him. He's been all over the world leading hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. And he's here next Sunday with us. And I want to say you should invite your friends to this. Invite friends and neighbors. Help somebody this week. Dignify somebody. Give them an invitation to this gathering. It's going to be superb next Sunday morning. It is Mother's Day. That's a... That's a beautiful clash of events in one day. Jonathan's with us. It's Mother's Day. Please invite your friends next Sunday. The leaflets have gone out, haven't they? Annie. Have they, have they, has everybody got one, Annie? No, but there's some available. Okay. There's some available. Let's get, can we get those distributed in the next, around the whole room, in the next five minutes? Would that be possible? <laughs> hey, I'm on a roll, guys. Come on. Um. And then the last thing I want to say is this. Oh, sorry, no, before, another little update. Momentum. Momentum. Yes, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it in faith. Momentum is going to involve, it's going to be momentous. It's going to have worship evening on Friday night. Seminars with Roger and Diane Aubrey on Saturday morning lunch together, a fun fair in this room on Saturday afternoon. Yes, you heard me right, a fun fair here in the room, coconut shies, 
hook a duck, test your strength, a fun fair all around this room on Saturday afternoon, God willing, <laughs> and Sunday morning together for a fantastic celebration again with Roger and Diane Aubrey. That's momentum and it's coming up the last weekend of April, ending on Sunday, the 1st of May. Last thing I want to say is this. God comes down. God comes down when we speak up. It is a day for helping, making that our priority, perhaps just acts of kindness, demonstrating the love of God. But we must also speak up. And I love how that how the story ends, while Peter was still speaking these words. God didn't even let him finish his message, which is probably a learning point for all of us. (laughs) This morning. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. And the circumcised believers, the Jewish believers, who'd come with Peter were astounded because the gift of the Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know? Well, they heard them speaking in tongues yeah, that's right. and declaring the greatness of God. And by the way, the foundations are always the foundations in Romania, in Athelstone, in Kenya, here, everywhere. Peter then says, can anyone withhold water and prevent them from being baptized? We all come in the same way. Repentance, baptism, filling with the Spirit. Hallelujah. God acts whilst, whilst and as... And when we are involved with him in the story, he acts as we're involved, whilst we're involved, in the middle of us being involved, God acts. And Peter had killed his prejudices, he'd gone way out of his comfort zone, and now God moves in power to confirm and prove that he's with him every inch of the way. Let us in these days, friends, reach out to neighbours, reach across to nations and demonstrate the love of God and speak up boldly and believe that as we speak up, God will come down. These are days for um, moving in the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. These are pivotal days. In the world, in the church, And amongst all that's happening, God is moving. I I truly believe that will become increasingly evident in these coming days. We will see how God has been moving. It's vital we're all in with what he's doing. It's vital we're in the slipstream of God in his purpose. We can't stand aside and watch. It would be awful to to look back and realize that we missed out on being involved in what God is doing. I pray our church will be mobilized. I pray we will be found ready in the day of his power. And I pray that whatever else is going to happen this morning, whatever else happens this morning, you will remember what we've just been talking about. Amen. Amen. At the end of this story, you know, Peter Peter, uh, declares the gospel. He says God forgives all who come to him. They are filled with the Spirit. He commands them that they get baptized in water. I just want to say later on this morning as we, as we regroup for coffee, if you need 
to come to Christ this morning, to be forgiven, or to, or to, or to make that decision, I, I need to be baptized, or even to say, I, I, I want him to fill me with his spirit. These are the basic things. I pray that if that is you this morning, you, you'll meet somebody in the Connect Corner. You'll make that decision. You will come forward and, 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 and receive Amen. all that God has for you today. Amen, Amen. Lord, I, I pray and thank you for all that's happening amongst us. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you that in the midst of, in the midst of all that's unraveling in the world, your kingdom is secure, that's right. unshakable, Jesus is unchanging, Amen. and we are secure. We've run into a strong tower, and there we are, secure, and we say thank you. Amen. I pray that none of us, Lord, will miss the moment of what you're doing. Yep. None of us will be observers, just observing what's going on, Lord, but we will be involved in all that you're doing. Amen. And in these days of such opportunity to reach our neighbors and bless the nations, I pray that as we, as we step into the story, we will have the thrill of being involved in what you're doing in these days. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.